We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to more John Chuckery. No, no. No, I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's the John Chuckery Show. Chris go forth in for John this week, at least uh, tonight anyway. It's my last night. John's back tomorrow night. Uh, I've spent this week recapping each day of the SEC Media Days, bringing you some of our best interviews from here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, and that's what we're doing again tonight. John Talty, who covers the Alabama Crimson Tide for AL.com, he is a fantastic writer and reporter. He was on with Dukes and Bell earlier today. We want to talk to a guy that covers all things SEC, Auburn, Alabama included, obviously, and he works for AL.com. John Talty joins us here on the WaitForward.com hotline. And, John, I want to ask you about Harson because Mike and I were talking about this as we started the show. He addressed what happened in the offseason, said everything was unfounded, and the controversy actually united the team. Do you believe it? Or do you still think that he is on the hot seat as the season rolls around? Oh, he's definitely still on the hot seat as the season rolls on. I mean, I think that, you know, I think it's, if that actually is true, that's great. And I think that there is something to be said about, you know, adversity bringing people together. I believe that he believes that. But I think, you know, he survived a coup attempt. That's great. But just because you survived doesn't mean there aren't more shots coming at you down the line. And so – He's going to have to win and win, I think, pretty big this year to get some of those people who obviously wanted to get rid of him uh, four or five months ago to get them on board of keeping him long term. Yeah, Auburn, we were saying it earlier, John, it's like Game of Thrones. I mean, there's just always plots and schemes. And it's, you know, the person we said earlier that, uh, oh, well, you know, Chizik really wasn't the guy. It was Gus Malzahn. And now here they are ready to get Harson out of there. Harson said he didn't want to talk about it anymore. Well, good luck with that. They do have an easy start to the season. <laughs> uh, they got uh, two sisters of the poor and then Penn State. What would be the qualifier to get him got? You know, lose two out of three? or uh, I mean, because as you said, the knives are out. Yeah, I, mean, I think that Penn State game is going to be so huge this year because, you know, they do have a bunch of home games to start the year. Penn State is, you know, a marquee program. They've had some ups and downs the last couple of years. But that, that game, I feel like, can really determine how this season goes. Because if you lose that game early on, before you get into the heart of the schedule of Alabama and Georgia and Ole Miss and Texas A&M, all these other teams that you know are going to be very hard to beat, to, to lose that game early on, I think, can really start cranking up the pressure. And so he, I think, by far is on the hottest seat in the SEC right now. I don't even know who else close to him and he's gonna have to you know again win pretty big I think to to survive long term it's it's a it's a pretty big challenge and there's a lot of question marks around that team right now 
John Talty, our guest, talking about the SEC and SEC media days. Obviously, Alabama big news this week when Coach Saban and he brings in, you know, Bryce Young and Will Anderson. I think they got the best two players in the country offensively and defensively. Are you picking them to not only win the SEC over Georgia, but do you pick them to win another national championship? Yeah, I think you have to at this point. I think just based on what they have returning, I agree with you. I think that's you, know, you could argue those are the two best players in the country, period. Certainly, I think it's the best one-two punch in the country. And just the way that, I mean, to, to get to the national championship game last year, I didn't think that was really a great Alabama team. Uh, I think it was almost – I think they overachieved to even make it to the national championship game last year. That team had flaws throughout. But they return a lot of talent. And I think they're the clear top dog at this point. And I think, you know, knowing what they have coming back, knowing that – Bryce Young and Will Anderson are not coming back for another year after next year. So this is this is it with this crew. I think it's truly national championship or bust. And I think there's only, you know, maybe a handful of teams in the country that you can make a reasonable argument that they could beat Alabama right now. John Dalton's with us. This is Carl Mesh from AL.com. I know that you got a book coming out, The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban. We were talking about when Saban said what he said, walked it back, kind of passive-aggressive, John, to be honest with you. Were you surprised? Because we, we've said if you look back, Saban didn't like the up-tempo offense until he had one. Were you surprised that he went at Jimbo? I mean, obviously, it's water under the bridge now, but at the time, it was really, we thought, over the top. It was surprising because one of the things that you, you know, you learn about Nick Saban, certainly uh, you already knew this, but writing the book, like he really doesn't do things by accident. Everything he does is very purposeful. A lot of the comments that he gives publicly are very purposeful. He puts a lot of thought into them. He writes out his notes and all these different things. He's usually, you don't catch him off guard that often. And so I think that it was a combination of something that was building inside of him for a long time. And you know, talking to some people around the program and other places, like he's been kind of venting about this NIL situation and in, in particular about Texas A&M before he made the comments that he did. So it almost felt like he just kind of exploded a little bit and said it out loud, you know, the quiet part out loud, and it blew up, obviously. And I, I think he probably didn't expect it to blow up the way that it did. But I think what's interesting about Saban and Jimbo is that I don't think either guy really necessarily regrets the heart of what they said. I think Saban regrets that he – called out Texas A&M by name, but I think he is deeply frustrated by how the NIL situation has played out, and I think he does, you know, you gave him some troops here, I think he would tell you he still believes that Texas A&M bought a lot of their players. Uh, He's just not going (laughs) to go back to that well after all the reaction that he's had. John Talty joining us here. We're talking SEC Media Days. Um, As we look at, you know, the the East, right, it's Georgia, and then we don't quite know who's going to be the second-best team. All right, who's the second-best team in the West, and why? Because you're right, Alabama is still the king of the West, and I still think they're going to be in the SEC championship game. Who's the second-best team, in your opinion? I mean, I think on paper you feel like it's Texas A&M, right? You know, they they beat Alabama last year. Uh, You know, I think that at least on paper it feels like they've made an upgrade at the quarterback position. Um, getting the LSU transfer, Johnson. Um, I think they've recruited at clearly recruited at a very high level, which I think is you know important. Um, I think that you know they have some talent. I think you saw what Jimbo said today. He feels good about the talent on that team. He feels good about the depth that he has. So I think that's a team that you know should should contend in the West. Um, I think you can make arguments for Ole Miss. Uh, I think you can make an argument for Arkansas. I mean, it's, I think it's a pretty talented uh, SEC West this year. But I, I think if you 
you told me to bet on one team to win the SQ West if it's not Alabama, I think the best argument is for Texas A&M right now. Yeah, get the quarterback. We think we have the quarterback figured out, whether it's going to be, as you mentioned, Haynes King or Max Johnson, the transfer from the Tigers. The, uh, the Elaine Kippen, he was kind of whimpering a little bit about NIL. We really, maybe because we're too close to it here with Kirby, I thought a lot of Georgia fans loved how Kirby approached the NIL question. What did you think of his comments? Because it, it, it sounds like other coaches are kind of against it. Kirby was basically saying, hey, here's where it is, and here's how we're rolling with it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's kind of the approach that you have to take. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of the SEC Media Days week, Greg, thank you. You know, and I know that he said this in the SEC uh, spring meetings when he was meeting with those coaches. Basically, like, you know, it, it, the reality is this is what it is. You know, we can complain about it, but, like, you know, it, it, the world is not going back to what it used to be. But, you know, it doesn't have to be the way it is right now. And so I think to a certain point you have to accept the reality is what it is. And you can either try to maximize it and find ways to make it work for your players and your program, or you can keep complaining about it and you fall further behind. And so I think you're seeing coaches, I think a lot of coaches don't like it, I think for being real, but at a minimum, you have to realize like, this is what it is. I know that they're banking on Congress to you know, deliver this solution. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, so I think it's something that they're going to have to deal with for the foreseeable future. And you just got to find the best way to do it. It seems like Kirby has, has embraced that mentality. John, uh, as we look at, you know, these coaches, we got a, new, a few new coaches, obviously. Billy Napier, um, we heard the cupboards are bare there, and Florida is a team that, you know, we thought, and, and Mike and I, we're going back a few years, when they hired Mullen, this was the hire that everybody wanted, and now he's gone, and here comes Napier. Rumor is he's upset because he didn't get the LSU job. Because he was in Louisiana, and, you know, I'm not saying Florida's second fiddle, but what are your expectations there with Florida, and how, how long is it going to take before we see Florida get back to prominence? Because right now it's all about the dogs. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that, that makes it harder, right? You know, when you have such a dominant program, and I think the way Kirby has just built this monster down in Athens, I mean, that makes it harder for everybody else in the division, right? It's something that SC West people can tell you about Alabama and how hard it is to deal with those guys. And so – I think the number one thing, and it's, you can say this about any program, but I think in particular for Florida, I think it really slipped at the end of Mullen. They've got to get them back to a certain level of recruiting. I mean, I think, it's, I think the talent is not where it needs to be. I think Dan is actually a great coach. I think he's a great exit to those guys. But I, remember, I, mean, I covered Dan when he was at Mississippi State. He's never been a big recruiter. He's never been a great recruiter. And it's not like he was signing terrible classes, but to be where they need it it to be he was not delivering that and I think I think Billy will be better in that regard I mean he's not necessarily killing it right now but I think over time he can be a, a high level recruiter but he's going to have to start winning some big recruiting battles and what that's going to mean is he's going to have to beat Nick Saban and Kirby Smart for top recruits which is not easy right and so that's going to be I think make or break is can Billy recruit at a high enough level to take kids that Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and all these other ones that recruit the state of Florida, he's going to have to start really winning those battles. That's going to be challenging. We think that uh, LSU is going to do a nice job because you know Brian, K- Kelly is what he is. You know his family, a bit of an ego and all that. But he'll get it dialed in. John Talty, since you do have a relationship with Nick Saban, what is the succession plan at Alabama, or will they have to pry the whistle from Coach Saban's cold, numb fingers, and he's never going to go step away? I mean, I kind of believe it's a little closer to the latter. I mean, it's, it's funny because I think that's the question that I've gotten the most this week. It's just kind of like, what's going to happen if Saban, what happens when he leaves? And, you know, sometimes you, you, I'm so in the weeds on it sometimes with that guy that, like, you can talk yourself into anything, right? So, like, in an ideal 
storybook ending, right? He wins the national championship this year. Feels like a good time to walk away. But if you know anything about Saban, it's after he has his biggest success is when he's like the most psycho of like wanting to prove he can do more and places he's not going to set in and all that stuff. So like, I don't, I don't even really know a scenario in which it would make sense for him to walk away. Because if he wins big, he's, he's going to want to come back and prove it. If he loses, he's going to want to come back and prove that he can win. I mean, it just it's, it's hard to even find a way. But I think right now there's no necessarily obvious answer. I mean, I think if Billy has a lot of success at Florida, you could maybe talk yourself into it. I think if Sark hadn't left for Texas, he was a guy that was very highly regarded by Saban and potentially heir apparent. You know, Bill O'Brien's there now. I think he would get consideration if Saban walked away. But, I mean, if Saban goes another five, six years, I mean, who knows who will even be in a position that would want that job uh, and is good enough for that job. Great stuff, man. As always, we appreciate it. Enjoy. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the week here in the ATL. We're looking forward to the start of the season. John Talty, we will catch up with you during the season. Sounds good. Appreciate it. That's John Talty from AL.com. He joined Dukes and Bell earlier today to talk a little bit about both Alabama and Auburn as we wrap up the final day of SEC Media Days. Former Auburn Tiger Ronnie Brown, he joined Andy, Randy, and John Chuckery on the Midday Show live on Radio Road today from the College Football Hall of Fame. We'll uh, bring you that interview back. We'll do that next. Chris Goforth in for John Chuckery tonight. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to more John Chuckery. He's in the zone. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Wrapping up the final day of SEC Media Days. Ronnie Brown, the former Auburn Tiger, he joined Andy, Randy, and John Chuckery today on the Midday Show here on Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. The guys were live from uh, the College Football Hall of Fame and Radio Row at SEC Media Days when Ronnie Brown stopped by. Let's bring you that conversation now. 
hospitality for right there. That's for Craig right there. That's for you, Craig. <laughs> DMing people. I had to call an audible here uh, as we're live at SEC Media Days College Football Hall of Fame. We'll get to what's trending in just a couple of minutes. We'll let you hear from Stetson Bennett from yesterday's interview in about 20 minutes as well. But when Ronnie Brown walks up and wants to jump on the radio show. And give Randy some grief. Randy, some crap. He got no grief over me. You let him sit down. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, this is my family, so he got no. He got no grief over me, man. I mean, then I was like, it, it was a, a surprise when I saw him out the elevator. I said, like we talked a couple of days ago and everything, and I'm glad he's here. And we're gonna get right to the point because if you know, he's an Auburn guy. You know, uh, Georgia. Auburn you know, legend. Uh, oh no, he's a legend. Yeah. yeah, Georgia decided you know we were gonna go another direction, so that's why he went to Auburn. He wanted to go to Georgia, but um, <laughs> I don't know if I wanted to go to Georgia. It was a cool opportunity. Would have been, but hey. Well, they didn't want to let you play. Hey, they, they wouldn't let him play baseball. That's what it was. Yeah, man. So you know, sometimes it unfortunately people make mistakes. It worked. Mistake, it, right? worked it worked out it worked for out you. It worked out for you. Hey, made a mistake. Hey, yesterday we had spikes on, and the first thing I asked him about was considering the fact that the the down year last year, five five straight losses. You're coaching some kind of off the field type thing. Uh, what are the I want to say expectations? What's the feeling of the Auburn family going into this season? I think you know adversity creates opportunity, right? And yeah. so you go through stuff. Um, you either learn in that moment, try to figure, try to figure out how to bring everybody better, you know. And so it's like '03. We started out number one in the country, lost the first three games, first two or three games. You figure out how to regroup. '04, go undefeated. And so in those moments, you know, you're trying to figure out, okay, what are we doing good, and what can we build on? Um, and I think that's where Auburn is because going through those type of moments, it has to make your locker room closer. And so I'm hoping the effect of this past offseason and all of that adversity creates a bond within the locker room because anything outside the locker room you know randy it doesn't matter i'm like man people don't know people you know report people speculate people assume you know friends family alike and so nobody really knows what you're going through what you go on a day-to-day basis and so all you can do is just work and so you know i think that's the sentiment when you listen to the interviews you listen to head coaches like listen man we're focused on ball all right that's all that matters and so at the end of the day you know, if everybody's on the same page, we're all rowing in the right direction. There's usually results tied to that. And so expectation-wise, I just want the guys to understand the importance of team, you know. And so, you know, the most irrelevant thing going into this season is last season. It's like, all right, yeah, cool. Well, last season was last season. So if you didn't win the championship, then we're all in the same boat. And so you're trying to win that. And so it's the understanding of we all got to be on the same page. We got to be a team. There's 12, 11 guys out here, including the head coach. You get 12 guys. So, you know, along with assistance and all of this other stuff, we all have to be on the same page. And so if we do that, we give ourselves an opportunity, and that's why they play the game. Who knows what the results are going to be. How do you think the fan base will define success for Auburn this year? Um, That's a problem. You know, because you talk about <laughs> fan bases in general. Like, if you don't win the national championship, it's like, oh, man, we're terrible. Like, so, you know, relatively speaking, it's just – all right, man, what are the expectations? you got a head coach in his second year. Obviously, coming to the Southeastern Conference is a little bit of an adjustment. Hardest, hard, hardest conference in college football. Um, and so there's elements of understanding that guys have to develop. Um, obviously, from a recruiting trail, it's a lot different, different down here in the Southeast. Uh, you know, people hold, you know, college football, you know, close to, like, religion. And so, you know, I think when you talk about fan bases, you know, I – Everyone's going to win a championship every year if you listen to the fan base mm-hmm. and the conversation. But the reality is, if you look across the country, there's only a few teams that are really in that talk. And then you have a few that are going to be surprises and then are going to, you know, do better than people thought. Um, and then you may get a couple of surprises where the other surprises where you, you see a team beat a team that you never thought. And so it's a letdown or, 
you know, I think it's those sleeper games that people talk about or those setup games. And so, you know, I don't know if you can put a number to that. Um, obviously, every year, if we could beat Georgia, Alabama, that's a successful year. Um, yeah. 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 But, you know, that hasn't happened in a really long time. Um, and so, you know, being honest about that, it's just, hey, man, what are the expectations? And all you can do is play one game at a time, get the understanding of that, and just say, hey, man, listen, we're going to approach it. The results are going to be what the results are going to be, but you can't control it before the season starts. And, you know, you can only win the, this one right here. And so, you know, to put – I mean, I, it sounds like a politically correct answer, but it's, it's hard to say a number. Like, because you listen to different fan bases. You know, you look at Georgia. They won national championship. They got one of the most talented groups of guys over there recruiting. Well, I'll tell you That's why. the expectation again. Alabama's like, hey, man, we're Alabama. We've won right. all of these. We're going to win it this year. Well, so. we, we had this discussion yesterday. If Auburn had beat Alabama, yeah. there would be a right. different perception going into yeah. this year. If, Which they should if have. They, yeah. Right. If they had closed yep. that game out, beaten Alabama, yeah, maybe everything wasn't all perfect. But you beat the number one team in the nation, whatever, at the end of the year, or number two team, whatever Alabama was at the time. It would have been a different perception going into this year. And Harson, some of the things aside, um, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff, but there would be a different perception about Auburn this year. Yeah, and you look at that, too. It's like I tell my son and my daughter, I'm like, hey, like, in those moments, like that game, how they played against Alabama, I see the potential. I see what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. So now I have to hold you to that standard because right. I know you can do it. And so if you play that way every single Saturday, what you're capable and potential is, then the outcomes can be a lot better. But if you don't do that, then you can't have those expectations. And so, you know, the thing about that is when you show that you can do something, now you have to do it on a mm-hmm. normal basis. And that's the thing about college sports. It's about consistency. You know, it's like, how good are you for how long? Um, You know, especially when you're trying to make it to the next level. And so it's like, hey, man, listen, the teams that do it better more often, those are the teams that end up on the the winning side of it. Ronnie Brown hanging out with us here on the Midday Show with Andy and Randy talking some Auburn football. A lot of conversation about change and realignment and all that stuff this week. What do you think of of an annual Auburn schedule that doesn't every single year include Georgia or Alabama or whatever? That's weird. Um, for me, you know, but as a Georgia, like, guy that grew up in Georgia, um, that was always the game that I circled on my calendar. Um, you know, before I even knew the element of the Alabama-Auburn game, the Iron Bowl, I didn't know the magnitude of it because I'm a Northwest Georgia kid. But that one, because I knew a lot of guys on the roster. And so being homegrown, I'm like, hey, that's the one I want to get. And then obviously being engulfed in that, you know, part of the world, it's like, all right, now Auburn-Alabama. So those two. But it, it's just weird because some rivals, rivalries that you just have to keep um you know and i think the element proximity of the schools and th- that it just makes sense you know obviously you wouldn't want to go play and it's good for competition and competitive spirit because you play without it with outside of the conferences you know you get teams from the sec and they go but i also tell people you know we used to have these arguments in the locker room like man you guys aren't the best conference we beat you in the bowl game but i'm like that's one game that we really weren't that excited about. But as a different conference, it's like, oh, like, these are the guys. Like, oh, this is the best conference. It's like playing the Crosstown guy who's the number one player right. in the country. Right. Everybody wants to beat him. And so it's like it's a lot different. Like, when you play a team in the SEC in a bowl game, we're not in national championships. It's like, oh, man, I don't really want to play in this bowl game. And that's the way a lot of guys approach it now where you get guys from different conferences. like, oh, yeah, you build it up, the SEC this, the hype of that. And so everybody wants to beat you so they can say – Oh, yeah, we beat an SEC team. And so, you know, it's, it's you know, I think being realistic about it. You know, some people are like, keep it real. I'm like, you can't keep it real because you're not even realistic about the how this unfolded. Yeah. And so. Yeah, the, the rivalry is great. We know how y'all wind to get it moved earlier. But uh, 
you know, that's I have nothing to do with it. Yeah, Y'all, when you say Auburn, I had success. When you say Auburn, Georgia. you say us. But anyway, Roddy, we know. I know that I'm an Auburn guy. Like I, that's, it I, is. What I, it I is. know that. I know a lot of people don't know what you do now, but you financial advisor, all those things. But the NIL coming around, how, how do you think? Do you think it's a way to regulate it? And what do you think that, that should be the first thing that these players think about when they start getting this money? Yeah, it needs to be regulated because we all need parameters. We need guardrails to protect us sometimes from ourselves. Um, as a young man, you talk about guys, you know, 17, 18 years old, getting hundreds of thousands potentially of dollars. You don't really know, especially without education about how to deal with this money. Um, you know, you need an understanding and develop as a person. Like, okay, well, what can I do with this? and How do I be responsible with it? And so there needs to be some guardrails. The first thing is, you know, having conversations about taxes. You know, 1099 income. That's something that no matter what happens, Uncle Sam going to get his money from right. anybody. So, right? And so just understanding that and, you know, like all the investment talk, that's cool. But if you're really doing what's in the best interest of these young men, you got to educate them. And so information without understanding is just all for naught, right? right. And so you got to make sure that these young men understand the magnitude of what they're getting because it's a great opportunity especially from socioeconomic background that a lot of these guys come from hey man i didn't have that understanding coming out like somebody give me a hundred thousand dollars i don't know i I can go do whatever i want to do i got a scholarship so i know i'm gonna have something to eat i'm gonna have somewhere to lay my head and so you know i know guys that were rookies and you know nfl guys and that didn't know what to do with me so it's like well how do you expect an 18 year old with no guidance no education no information towards this subject to handle it responsibly. And so even if you look at it across the board as young adults, if we ask everyone at this table right now, it's like, if you could go back, would you do anything differently when you were 20? Absolutely. All of us would. And so, you know, we all make mistakes. And hopefully this is an opportunity for these guys to learn with a smaller magnitude before making millions of dollars and the potential of doing that. So you get a chance to learn gradually, but it also forces them to be businessmen and business-minded a lot earlier. So hopefully the, the education, the information, because of the opportunities, they start to kind of force that and kind of tell guys the importance of it. So famously, the NFL Rookie Symposium is bring former players in and tell you about all the pitfalls about what happens. Yeah, but they don't really t- bring a lot of well, former players to give them real conversation. But, but my point, my, my overreaching point is because this affects all athletes, it's not just a football thing. There are lots of other people making a lot of money in this. Should the universities bring in people to talk to them and, and have these kinds of symposiums? And, and to your point, educate, teach, talk to you know these kids about just, hey, make sure you know what you're getting into when this thing starts? Yeah, I, well, I think it should be a requirement like Florida did you know, in high school. Like it's a requirement to take some type of financial education mm-hmm. course um, because that's applicable to everyone. And so some people who don't go to college – you're going to enter the workforce, you need to understand benefits or basics of, you know, balancing and budgeting. Like, that's just for anyone, athletes, non-athletes. And then on the collegiate level, that's the goal for everyone, athletes, non-athletes, is I came to college with the potential and the opportunity to make more money as I leave. And so I need to understand, okay, when I'm trying to choose between jobs, who has the best benefits package, you know, or there's some stock options or different things, and understanding how to evaluate it rather than just looking at the salary. Like, well, this guy's going to pay me more. I'm going to work for them. But then depending on the region or what state you're in, taxes, it's a lot of other stuff that should go into it that we don't think about, you know. And so even when you go in the locker room and I talk to these young men, I'm like, hey, like, okay, what's the goal? It's like, oh, to make it to the next level. And then so it's like, okay, you want to make millions of dollars, but do you know what FICA score is? Do you know – 
you know, important things that it's going to be relative um, because, you know, some guys, well, I make a lot, so I don't care about interest rates. But those are things that are going to be, you know, applicable. Whether you want to buy a house and purchase certain things, like if you want to save money, figure out ways to do it, understanding credit score, understanding all of these things, stuff that's coming out. But those are the conversations that you don't have, and I wish that we did because, I, you know, that's kind of how I got into this side of it. I just knew that I didn't know. And as a, you know, guy from Cartersville, Georgia, going to Auburn University and then being drafted to Miami, which is a totally different world, and somebody gives you millions of dollars. Like, oh, by the way, at 22, be responsible in this environment with the pressures of this. In Miami. What in do you Mi- do? Yeah. In Miami. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, oh. But this guy is a teammate. Yeah. 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 So it's like, you know, but luckily, you know, you got guys like this who are responsible, who understand oh, that. Oh, no, it's Randy's like, cheap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, so, you know, and so that was the identification. It's like, hey, man, he's the South Georgia guy. Like, we connected on that. And he's like, hey, man, don't do that. And, you know, Randy's a blunt guy. He's like, hey, man, don't do that that's stupid like you know what i mean and so you need guys like that around because if not it's the only i tell people i mean professional sports is the only environment where you can have a guy making two hundred thousand next to a guy making 30 million and so the guy with the worst habits or the most toys are usually the most influential in that environment because everybody has aspirations but Your two hundred thousand can't go as far as that thirty million. Um, you know, you got two Pick good dinners in you. Yeah, with, man. you got two good dinners in you. <laughs> you're like, man, you know what? When we start back work, like you know, and so that's the reality of it. But those are the real conversations that a lot of people don't have about being in that environment and the the pressures that come with it. Thank you, Ronnie. Yeah, man, we, we got to pay stuff. We got to yeah. pay some bills, brother. Great stuff. That was Ronnie Brown, former Auburn Tiger, on with the midday show earlier today from Radio Row at the College Football Hall of Fame. Speaking of the College Football Hall of Fame, we're going to visit with Kimberly Bowden. She is the CEO of the Chick-fil-A College Football Hall of Fame. She's going to join us. We'll talk a little bit about uh, some new exhibits at the Hall of Fame and what it's like to be the host venue for SEC Media Days. We'll get to that as we continue on. Chris, go forth in tonight. Sports Radio, 92 down the game, the Odyssey app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Crisco fourth in in place of John Chuckery tonight. Recapping SEC Media Day's final day today. Three coaches. Brian Harson from Auburn. Josh Heupel from Tennessee. Jimbo Fisher from Texas A&M took the podium today at the College Football Hall of Fame. A great, great venue to be able to host this event. It was it was way better this time than it was when it was here in 2018. And uh, we got a chance to visit earlier today with uh, Kimberly Bowden. Kimberly is the CEO of the Chick-fil-A College Football Hall of Fame. We got a chance to talk to her about what it's like to be the host venue for SEC Media Days and a little bit about what they learned from hosting this event back in 2018. Kimberly, how much work goes into getting ready to have an event like this at the Hall of Fame? 
you know, oh my goodness, it's a tremendous amount of work, most of it behind the scenes. We have to make sure that um, our infrastructure is sound, that we have all the power we need, especially with the addition of Radio Row, which we love to have. Power, internet, you know, additional housekeeping, security. So it's, it's mostly infrastructure, and then we also were providing a lot of the catering and the meals, and so that goes into it as well. Um, we've got an incredible team, and I also tip my hat to the SEC. They are a well-oiled machine. They know what they're doing, and they have made it very easy on us. What have they told you guys about the future of this event and a return here? Uh, you know, they haven't committed to anything. And, uh, you know, we're just hopeful that with the continued success of having it here that we'll stay, you know, in a rotation with them. Um, we think it's a logical place to host SEC Media Days. And, you know, this is our second time. We had 2018. We were slated for 2020. Um, we all know what happened there. So we're thankful to have it back. And hopefully in the next couple of years we'll land it again. What did you learn from the first time hosting this event until now? Uh, definitely that it made sense to have Radio Row here. So in 2018, Radio Row was over at the Omni, and it felt a little disconnected. And, and not only were the coaches and players having to shuffle back and forth, but a lot of the media kind of have double duty. And so by bringing Radio Row over here on the second floor above the main stage, it's just changed the whole vibe in the building. And I think that all the radio um all the radio teams love to be able to look down on the main stage and see what's going on. And so I think that was our biggest learning and biggest change we made. Kimberly Bowden of the College Football Hall of Fame. I think one of the neatest things is to see the players come up when they come to Radio Row and all of a sudden they're in the middle of all these exhibits. That's been one of the coolest things to experience for those guys, I'm sure. No, absolutely. And especially, you know, you know, Stetson Bennett was here yesterday, and we have a rotating exhibit right now, the evolution of the SEC. And so, you know, Stetson Bennett went in there and was looking at all the Georgia stuff, and he had, we have a case dedicated to the national championship team. And so he was able to get some pictures with that. And the same with, um, with Bryce Young and his Heisman case right next to the Heisman Trophy. So those particular moments have been super special. But then I think all the players just realizing that, wow, we're in this place that celebrates excellence every day. I might need to step up my game. Can you tell us a little bit, maybe kind of behind the scenes, as to what goes in to getting the items that are displayed here? Sure. It's a combination. Um, you know, when we are curating a special exhibit or a story that we want to tell, you know, the first thing we'll do is look in our archive. But secondly, we'll reach out to the schools. Um, they're great partners and can kind of help us find things that we may not have. Um, when we did our very first uh, really expanded HBCU exhibit, we reached out to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They had, you know, some um, incredible artifacts for Jerry Rice and Walter Payton. And so we were able to take some of those on loan. So it's a combination. We'll go to the schools. We'll go to some of our partner museums. Um, and then we're constantly adding to our collection as folks donate items. They find things and, and they want to give them to us. Um, and then when we do something around specific players, especially when we are celebrating a new class, we'll reach out to them directly and say, hey, what do you have that you know, you'd like us to put on display for you? Kimberly Bowden of the College Football Hall of Fame with us here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. For those that have been here before, what's new? What's new this fall at the College Football Hall of Fame? 
Well, first and foremost, our special exhibit that rotates four times a year right now, that is the evolution of the SEC. It's incredible. It tells the story of really even pre-conference, you know, pre-SEC, 1933, the, the birth of the SEC, 13 teams, 10 of those remain, um, and then even forward-looking into uh, 2025 when Texas and Oklahoma will join. Uh, we've got some new interactive exhibits. Um, quarterback Simulator it has only been open since really the the end of 19, so if you haven't been here since then, um, that's new to see. Um, we have a completely reimagined ESPN College Game Day experience, and we opened our um, expanded HBCU exhibit in June of 21. So lots of new things. Walk us through. I, look, I love the when you first walk through the door, all of the helmets that are on the wall. I, that's That's got to be one of the coolest things ever. But for those that have never been here, walk them through what you see, what it's like to visit the College Football Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I think the first thing that I'm going to say is it's unexpected. That is what I hear time and time again. Wow, this is not what I expected. Wow, you know, I didn't know what to think, but Hall of Fame, this is not, you know, again, what I expected. It's amazing. We had a wonderful time. You know, we are... You know, obviously here to celebrate the greatest players and coaches. That's why we're here, the hallowed ground of the Hall of Fame. But beyond that, we're celebrating the people, passion, and traditions and what makes college football the most amazing game, in my opinion, that there is, right? So from tailgating to fight songs and, you know, college game day and combine experiences and call the play, we have an opportunity for everyone to kind of immerse themselves into everything that makes the game fun and so it really is fun um, but I think also inspirational so it's kind of a neat combination. Kimberly appreciate the time. Thank you. That was Kimberly Bowden of the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. She is the chief executive officer and very cool of her to give us a little bit of time today and talk a little bit about what all's going on at the at the College Football Hall of Fame. Dylan have you ever been? I have actually not been to the College Football Hall of Fame yet. I've been around it. I've been in that area, but I have not uh, had the pleasure of going to the College Football Hall of Fame yet. So I have to cross that off my uh, bucket list sooner rather than later. Listen, they have the the uh, virtual reality exhibit that she was talking about. I don't know any other way to describe it, but it's, uh, it's where you play uh, quarterback and you step into their little field and you've got screens on each side of you and one in front of you, and you put on this, like, chess guard thing. You have a football that has all of these uh, little, like, lights on it. And uh-huh. it's you. your job then is to basically play quarterback. And you have to complete passes to receivers as they move on the screen. Oh, that sounds so. Do you actually throw the ball, or do you kind of yes. like keep the ball in no. your hand? Oh, you throw no, it. Okay. No, you throw the ball the whole nine yards. Wow. And uh, the the little, it's I don't know what you call it, like a little shoulder apparatus thing that you put on. If you hold the ball too long, you will get sacked. Wow. And you'll feel that too. I need to do that. Now, that is that sounds not cool? fun. Yeah. So this you've done is, this before? No, I have not done it. Okay. I want to go back to do it. She, it's something new they've got in. It's actually sponsored by the Air Force, oh, and wow. it's because the guy who developed it is an Air Force graduate, gra- Air Force alum, mm-hmm. and this is basically the same type of sim- simulator that they use to teach and train fighter pilots. 
Okay. And so this guy got the idea while he was at Air Force about, huh, oh, they use this to train fighter pilots. Why can't we use it to train quarterbacks? Hey, why not? And so that's the whole deal. And they've got three different levels. It's like there's like Pee Wee, All-American, and, you know, All-Pro or something. Like there's there's three different levels of it. And it gets harder as you go or go up. But basically it is 11 on 11. And so you are the uh, you are the quarterback. I, to me, I just as a kid, you would have never have gotten me out of that thing. Are you right? <laughs> Been that all most, day. Oh my gosh, that's the most awesome thing ever. That's cool to get in there and do that. It's it's very very cool. So uh, go over and check that out. I mean, again, it's it's one of those right here in your town, Dylan. You got to go. You got to go. Uh, you got to go check it out. And that display of when you first walk in the door. That wall of every college football helmet in the country is on the wall, and it's very, very cool. It it reminds you some, if you've been to Uh Mercedes-Benz, and you have seen the wall of all of the The high school uh, school helmets. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. Very similar, uh, but it's really, really, really neat. And I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of the guys... When they would bring the players up to Radio Row, the players would they would want to go and walk around and look at the exhibits up on the uh, on the second floor of the uh, uh, of the College Football Hall of Fame. That's where they had that's where Andy, Randy, and and John were set up at today, and um, it really really neat stuff. I did take the time today to go walk around and look at some. I didn't get to see everything. But I did take the time today to walk around and uh, and look at a lot of the exhibits, and it was that was really really neat stuff to see. Chris, I'm gonna have to tell you that you know once I go do that and I do the little simulator thing, I hope they can like record it, put it on film, because you know I, if I if I hey. do well at the the hey. all pro level on hey. that thing, I'm, I might I might get that. signed. I'm your agent, and we're sending that to Arthur Smith. There you go. We're we're sending that. I'm ready. Terry Fontenot's getting a copy. Mm-hmm. Hey, we may send it out to all 32 teams in the league. We got to do we it. Get you an offer. I think I can get a roster spot right now. Yeah, hey, listen, I think you would look damn good in a ball cap holding a clipboard on Sundays. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Hey, and I will be okay with that uh, ball cap holding the clipboard money that's, too. That's, uh huh. <laughs> and as your agent, I will be more than happy at my three or. 10%, whatever we negotiate. There you go. We'll do it. <laughs> hey, speaking of football, you know, you got NFL training camps uh, getting cranked up next week. I guess the Falcons report on Sunday. Is that right? I think that's right. I believe Falcons, so, yes. Yeah, Falcons report on Sunday. So, NFL training camps getting underway. Check out Baldy's Breakdown. They've got a special live podcast that's happening on Tuesday july the 26th it goes down at 10 o'clock eastern time brian baldinger and nfl insider jason lock and forna they discuss all the storylines from nfl training camp you won't want to miss it baldy's breakdown it's live on tuesday july 26 10 a.m eastern time you can also find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. Chris Goforth with you tonight. We've got more coming up here. Stay with us. We are going to get to our best quotes from SEC Media Days. I'll tell you what some of mine were from this week. We'll get to that when we come back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.